Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, a very special trade deadline day edition of Lockdown Wolves. We're going to talk about the Wolves trade for Monte Morris on Wednesday. Could another move possibly be coming for the Timberwolves today or on the buyout market here in the next couple of weeks? We'll reset the cap situation for the Wolves, the roster spot situation, and also talk about what Monte Morris brings to the table for the Wolves. It's all upcoming. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash Lockdown NBA and use the code all lowercase Lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Happy Thursday, everybody! Happy trade deadline day and happy game day. The Wolves are in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks tonight, looking to bounce back and get the sour taste out of their mouths from that loss in Chi Town to the Bulls on Tuesday. But the big news, of course, the Monte Morris trade going down on Wednesday afternoon, and uh, at this stage. I mean, like that's that's the the tangible thing we have to talk about. But then there's the next question: Is there another? I hesitate to use the phrase "another shoe to drop," uh, mostly because I don't know the phrase we use all the time. But also because I don't know that anything major could happen. But still, the Wolves have multiple open roster spots now. They did a two for one in this deal to get Monte Moore. So what could come next for the Wolves? I'll kind of reset the roster, the cap, etc., and peek ahead to uh, you know what could come next for the Wolves, and also. Importantly, what I think Monte Morris brings to the table for the Wolves, he was the player I talked about on Wednesday's Lockdown Wolves and also on the Minnesota Basketball Party on Lockdown Wolves uh, on the Lockdown Wolves feed on Wednesday, who I thought the Wolves would end up with. Um, so I want to dig into that a bit more. First, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow an X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Um, let's start with the 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 current situation of the Timberwolves roster, the salary cap, and you kind of resetting everything, the logistics of this and what could come next here in the coming hours on Thursday, and then also you know, more macro look at this, what comes in the next couple of weeks and even the next couple of months leading into the playoffs from a buyout market perspective for Minnesota. Um, So the immediate, and, and, and then the next thing we'll do is look at the actual roster fit, which I have talked about a little previously, but get a little bit more in depth. Now that it's real, we can focus in on Monte more specifically. I did a little on Tuesday's show about comparing, you know, Morris to DeLon Wright, to Alec Burks, to, you know, uh, Bones Highland, different guys that have been rumored to be, potential targets in Minnesota. But I want to focus, obviously, on Morris here today. So overall, the the immediate implications. The Timberwolves did a two-for-one here. They traded out Shake Milton. They traded out Troy Brown Jr. A total of $9 million in salary going out to bring in Monte Morris. So the Wolves actually do take on a little bit of salary. Uh, Monte's contract before the season was 9.125. Of course, they're, you know, what, two and a half months left of the season. So or, or, I'm sorry, it was 9.8. I looked at the wrong year. So they take in roughly 800000 in terms of the overall yearly salary because they're trading out $9 million, They're bringing back 9.8. That doesn't matter as much right now. Um, but 
the overall cap situation for Minnesota, they do have a little bit of their mid-level exception that they can use for buyout candidates. Now, they also have two open roster spots. They already had one. And you can you can roll with just one empty roster spot. NBA rules, though, stipulate you can only have two empty roster spots. Or another way of saying this, you could only have less than 14 roster spots for up to 14 days consecutively. And total, uh, I think it's 28 uh, 28 day, yeah, 28 days total during the season. So in the next two weeks, once this becomes official, assuming it becomes official on Thursday, the Timberwolves will have two weeks to fill one of the roster spots. So they might do it on Thursday if they acquire a player in a trade, um, or they could wait and either promote a two-way contract player, whether it's Dacia Nix or Luca Garza, probably not Jalen Clark, who still hasn't played basketball um, yet this year. Or they could wait and fill it at some point in the next two weeks with a buyout player, depending on how that market shakes out, which obviously that usually the wheels start rolling on that after the, uh, or the wheels start turning on that after, um, after the trade deadline. They, but, but again, they have two open roster spots. They only need to fill one though. Okay. Now, if they're going to fill the other one, um, I, I think usually, I, I don't remember the exact date, but I think basically you got to kind of fill it before the playoffs is you're going to fill it. I don't think you could add somebody during the playoffs that hasn't been on your team that season. Um, I forget that exact rule. We can look it up when we get close to the playoffs. But basically, one roster spot needs to be filled in the next two weeks. And promoting a two-way player seems kind of pointless at this point, considering not very many, the two-way guys haven't really played much for the Wolves this year. I'd be surprised if that was the move. I think... Now, trading both Troy Brown and Shake, you're short a wing. Um, now, Troy Brown wasn't in the rotation, and Monte Morris's minutes have to come from somewhere, right? So you're he's going to pull minutes from Kyle Anderson. He's going to pull minutes, obviously, from Jordan McLaughlin, who is kind of on the fringes of the rotation anyway. Uh, we'll talk more about that here in a minute. But functionally, the Wolves still could make a move today. They don't have a whole lot else to trade. They have Wendell Moore Jr., who teams have reportedly been interested in. I think it was Michael Scotto of Hoopsype that reported that. And it makes sense. He's one of the few trade pieces that the Wolves would likely be willing to move and uh, could actually have some value. I don't think the Wolves are excited to move Josh Minot. Um, I, I don't, they're not going to trade Leonard Miller. We talked about all the other guys that they're not going to trade the other day. So it's really, in my mind, it's Kyle Anderson as a possibility. I don't think they will trade him, but it's possible. And uh, Wendell Moore Jr. I'd be pretty surprised if they, you know, got two players back for Wendell Moore, like what what would the point of that? Like nobody's giving you two usable players back for Wendell Moore. Maybe it's a player and a pick and they can bring back a wing that they feel more comfortable giving run uh, down the stretch in the regular season and potentially in the playoffs, you know, if there's injuries or whatever, you know, a more veteran type, ironically, somebody like a Troy Brown Jr., right? Um, now, Troy Brown had to be moved to make the salaries work. There really wasn't another option there. So, uh, but somebody like Troy Brown is actually now what the Wolves need. And and I I have clamored on this podcast for Troy Brown to get more minutes. So I'll admit that that's, uh, you know, I'm disappointed to see Troy Brown go because I actually think he played well when he got the opportunity. And even as recently as a week and a half ago in OKC, he played six first half minutes, was really good. Uh, both ends, like, I think that type of a player in terms of a depth piece is still important for the Wolves to add. And... If they don't find anything Thursday, I'm sure I don't think that they're like hunting a trade for Wendell Moore Jr. I don't think there's any benefit in that either. And also, you're not you can't just trade him for a pick at this point, right? Because uh, you need to fill those roster spots. You're already one below where you need to finish or need to be in the next two weeks. 
So I don't think they're hunting a trade for Wendell Moore. I would say at this point, since they've already made the Monte Morris move, I I think it's clearly less than 50-50 that they complete another trade on Thursday. Uh, it's maybe 75-25 that they don't just because they're running out of assets to trade, right? They had like four guys they might trade and they already traded half of them and they already traded a future second round pick. Like I, I think it's more likely than not that the Wolves stand pat through Thursday. They see how the buyout bio market shakes out and they could go compete for, you know, fill in the blank. And we talked on the Minnesota basketball party, like Gordon Hayward's a possibility. Doug McDermott's a possibility. Uh, there's some other guys who, who, who undoubtedly will, will you know, be bought at Kyle Lowry, I guess is still a possibility. Although I kind of doubt that now because the wolves got their point guard already. So if they're looking for like a wing, a shooter, a score, a wing defender, uh, there, there are going to be some options out there after the buy or the, after, excuse me, at the trade deadlines all said and done. So the headlines here are the wolves have to fill a roster spot in the next two weeks. They could do it Thursday. They have a little bit of the mid-level exception to use to help on the buyout market. Um, and, the other, oh, the other thing to keep in mind, Jack Borman mentioned this in the Minnesota Basketball Party, um, and actually John Hollinger wrote something on The Athletic after the trade on Wednesday, the Monte Morris trade. Mike Conley has about a million and a half in unlikely incentives, and Jack said on the podcast he thought it was tied to um, percentage of playoff games played, which is what it actually says on spotrack.com. Uh, I think it says if he plays in at least 60% of playoff games, that's like half of the incentives, and then the other half is if they go to the finals. Hollinger is reporting that, according to Bobby Marks from ESPN, uh, Conley gets 750k for making the finals, and the other half or the other 750 if the Timberwolves win the finals. So either way, the Wolves have to account for no matter how what they're actually assigned to. There's a million and a half in unlikely incentives that the Wolves have to factor in. Right, they have to account for it somewhere. Um, so there's that. There's filling the roster spot. There's a little bit of mid-level. There's just, there's a lot there that's all within just a couple million bucks. And I think it's more likely than not that it's the buyout market where that comes into play than it is the actual trade market on Thursday. But just know it's possible the Wolves could swing a a one for two or a one for one with a pick involved, maybe get a pick back, um, you know, trade window more out for a veteran type who's going to leave after the year anyway, gets you out from like if the Wolves, I think window more still has upside. I think that's pretty obvious. He, he has some upside, but this is, you know, nearing the end of year two and he hasn't played. So if the Wolves are kind of dubious, maybe risking the possibility he turns into something for future financial flexibility, because, you know, he's got that guaranteed money for next year, um, which is, let's see, I have it handy, I think, uh, when Del Moore is owed $2.5 million next year and then a club option for $4.5 million the year after that. So the Wolves would essentially be getting rid of his salary for next year, saving a little bit of money this year, depending on who they take back. And maybe you take back a veteran who expires at the end of the season and helps you out for next year. That's a possibility. Um, I think, all things considered, it's probably two to one that they don't make a trade. We'll call it 65-35 that the Wolves do not make a trade on Thursday in the wake of the Monte Morris one. I want to talk a little more about uh, kind of a, a secondary reason the Wolves made the Morris trade. We'll dig into Monte Morris as a fit, um, compare him to current Wolves point guards, Conley and McLaughlin, what he brings to the table compared to them. And then we'll close the show. We actually will take a quick look at uh, the Wolves-Bucks matchup here on Thursday night. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our new friends over at Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? 
Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Gone are the days of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is another member of Nissan's incredible lineup. The Pathfinder has room for up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity and advanced available 4x4 capability. With 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds towing, when adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. Take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, or the Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. The NBA trade deadline is fast approaching. It's, in fact, this afternoon at 12 p.m. The deadline's at 12 p.m. Central. But Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is your place for live reaction beginning at 12 p.m. Central. 12 p.m. Central. The deadline's at 2. So 12 p.m. Central today, or that's 1 p.m. Eastern. The deadline is 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. Subscribe to Lockdown Fantasy Basketball on YouTube so that you don't miss Josh Lloyd, the fantastic Josh Lloyd, breaking down every NBA trade with analysis and insight that you can only get from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's talk Monte Morris. Now that we've got the the logistics out of the way, Monte Morris, I liked him as the best potential fit for the Wolves. Partly, yes, because he was one of the most often rumored potential Wolves targets going back to last year, because we all know Tim Connolly drafted him in the second round in 2017. And is one of the success stories, those second round success stories that Connolly has, obviously not quite to the level of Nikola Jokic, but there's several of these, right? Connolly drafted well. He traded well on draft nights, um, you know, going back to uh, some of the early moves he made and, and obviously getting Jokic very early in his career with Denver. But Monte Morris is a pretty interesting one. He was an end of the second round pick back in 2017, uh, barely played, in fact, played in just three games his rookie season, was on a two-way deal, ended up playing in all 82 games, mostly off the bench for the 18-19 Nuggets, and then became a primary rotation guy in that 1920 season when they went to the finals in the bubble, excuse me, the conference finals in the bubble, the Lakers eventually win. That was the the bubble playoffs where Jamal Murray went nuts. The Lakers win the title. The following year, he becomes, uh, or he maintains his role as Denver's primary backup point guard. And then in 21-22, he starts 74 games. He plays in 75, starts in 74 for Denver. That was a 48-win Denver team that lost in the first round to the Golden State Warriors. Um, and he was their primary starting point guard. He's traded to Washington that offseason. And, and before that year, by the way, before he became the starting point guard, they gave him that three-year deal. So this is coming off of a, being a, a, a primary rotation guy for a couple of years for a playoff team. He signs a three-year $28 million extension to be the starter in Denver. Starts for a year. They lose in the first round after winning 48 games of the regular season. He's traded to Washington. He starts 61 games for the Wizards last year. A, you know, a bad Wizards team. They win mid-30s uh, games. And then he's traded in the offseason for a second-round pick to Detroit. And now is an expiring contract. He's still only 28 years old. Um, turns 29 this summer. And, of course, is, is a free agent after the year. We'll get back to that 
that piece of things here in a minute because that's important. Um, of course, he's only played in six games this year for Detroit because of a quad injury he suffered early in the season. Hasn't shot the ball well since he started playing, but he's only playing 11 minutes a game and obviously is still knocking some rust off. He's not going to be asked to play much more than 11 minutes per game right away in Minnesota. This move is more as a, like right away, I think he takes the McLaughlin minutes. I think he plays 10, 12 minutes. And then... As the Wolves play some more of these back-to-backs, they have one next week, and I don't know that he's going to be thrown into the fire quite yet, but Conley's going to start to sit some of these, right? Like, Conley's only sat, what, two games? Or I guess he missed three, four games with the injury last week, but he's missed, like, five games this year. Eventually, you're going to want to sit Mike Conley a little bit more, and you need somebody who could start. McLaughlin can still play those backup point minutes. You can split him with Nikhil Alexander-Walker and and Kyle Anderson and uh, Jordan McLaughlin, and then Monte Morris can start when Conley takes a break. He doesn't need to be there quite yet, right? He can still continue to ramp up. In terms of what he brings to the table, Monte Morris is a career 39% three-point shooter, was above 39% before uh, the last few games here. He's 2 of 11, so he gives a shade right at 39%. Now he's 38.9% for his career, um, 2 of 11 so far this year. But he was 38% last year in Washington. His last year in Denver, when he started the whole year, he was 39.5% from three. The bigger num- number for me here is, is he's got a catch-and-shoot three-point percentage that rivals that of Mike Conley. Conley, I, I made a big deal about this 12 months ago when they traded for Conley, that you know everybody looks at D'Lo as this good shooter, you know, much more of a volume shooter. Conley is actually a better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter than D'Angelo Russell, and that's where most of these threes are going to come from in the Wolves' offense because Anthony Edwards is shooting off the bounce. Cat's a high-usage guy. Most of your three-point attempts are going to be assisted. They're going to be catch-and-shoot. And this year... I mean, Anthony Edwards is shooting 46% on catch-and-shoot threes, which is bonkers. Cat's 44%. Conley's 43%. Nas is 41%. Jane McDaniels is 39%. Um, Basically, everybody in the rotation is around league average or greater in terms of catch-and-shoot three-point percentage. And Monte Morris last year in Washington, right in line with that, 38.6%, which actually would rank sixth on this year's Wolves behind Ant, Cat, Conley, Nas, and just a shade behind Jaden McDaniels, slightly ahead of Jordan McLaughlin. That's last year's Monte Morris. The year before in Denver, in the 21-22 season, when he was their primary starter, for 74 games he started, he shot 42.1% on catch-and-shoot threes. 42.1% on catch-and-shoot threes, which again, this year, that would slot him fourth on the Wolves behind only Ant, Cat, and Conley. So the catch-and-shoot three-point thing is a perfect fit. The headline for Monte Morris, besides the fact he's such a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, is that he doesn't turn the ball over. For his career, he's got a turnover rate of 8.1%, which is crazy for a guy that's a 6'2 point guard. Like, he's not playing off the ball hardly ever. And also, by the way, he's got, like, for his assist, his assist rate's decent, but he's got a decent usage rate, too. He's got a usage rate of almost 17% um, for his career, And a turnover rate of only 8.1%. For context, Mike Conley's career turnover rate is 12.8%. And this year, it's about, it's 10.9%. So he's got a turnover rate for his career about three points lower than Conley's turnover rate this season. And certainly lower than Jordan McLaughlin. We think of Jordan McLaughlin as this like assisted turnover savant. And he had that crazy stretch a couple seasons ago. uh, Not last year, but the year before. That January to March thing where he was like 56 to 1 assisted turnover stretch. Like... Conley, Conley, or excuse me, uh, Monte Morris's turnover rate is much lower than Jordan McLaughlin's. Um, so you're bringing in a guy that doesn't turn it over. He's an outstanding catch and shoot three point shooter. 
And he can also do a little bit more. He's got a little bit more in between game. The Wolves don't like to shoot mid-range jumpers. Um, but Conley doesn't shoot anything besides three-pointers. Jordan McLaughlin only gets to the rim and doesn't shoot the ball that well at the rim, gets blocked a lot. We just saw it the other night um, in the loss to Chicago. He got blocked at the rim a couple of times. And Monte Morris is a little more comfortable playing in between, which is a nice thing to have. It's a nice option to have with the way that teams are are playing the Wolves defensively. So Monte Morris can be effective from the mid-range if he needs to. Um, it's a tool that he's got in his bag. He's a good mid-range jump shooter. He's around uh, 49, 50% from that 10 to uh, 16 foot range, which is, you know, basically the elbows, right? Um, and again, Conley doesn't shoot from there very often. He either gets a little deeper and shoots a floater or he shoots threes. So to add that element will be nice too. Uh, defensively, he's not like, Monte Morris is just fine. Uh, he's small, he's 6'2". Uh, so he's a little bigger than Jordan McLaughlin. He's got a, a little bit of a bigger wingspan. Um, so it helps marginally there, but like he's not going to do a ton for you defensively. He's just going to be solid. I, I would argue that pound for pound, McLaughlin's actually a better defender. And I know McLaughlin's shooting the ball well from three this year. But again, it's some of the other stuff that we know Monte Morris can do. The track record of doing it over greater minutes over a greater period of time, right? You look at Jordan McLaughlin and he's never played heavy minutes for a, a stretch, right? For a, a, a a long stretch of time. Monte Morris has been a starter on a playoff team and a rotation player on a team that got to the conference finals, started, you know, the majority of games for his teams the last two seasons, you know, prior to the injury this year. So he's been there, done that. He can take on that load. He's in the prime of his career. He's played big minutes in the playoffs. Like all these things are reasons why he's an upgrade over Jordan McLaughlin. And if nothing else, like it's also bumping McLaughlin to where, you know, you now have that, that true depth of he's your third point guard. And you're not, you know, having to burden um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kyle Anderson with some of those additional minutes. I think in terms of where his minutes come from, uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute, like what I think this means for the Wolves rotation. Um, and then we'll we'll look here at the, at the matchup for Thursday night too. So a couple more points on the Monte Morris thing before we get into Wolves-Bucks. And uh, we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch your winnings roll in. It's demon time on Prize Picks. You can now win up to 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you could turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. You can now win up to 100 times. That's 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. Prize picks is a ton of fun, and now is a fun time of year to do it. Cross sport matchups, uh, lots of sports going on right now, and you know other sports about to kick off with baseball. You got the kind of the, the meat of the college basketball season. Tons of stuff going on. Uh, go over to prizepicks.com slash NBA. Use the code LOCKDOWNNBA if you're watching on YouTube. It's right there on your screen. You'll get a deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash NBA Code NBA for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Prize picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, a couple final thoughts here on Monte Morris. Um, I think rotation-wise, we see a little bit of a reduction from Kyle Anderson. We see a little bit of a reduction probably out of the rotation for Jordan McLaughlin, at least in games when Conley's available. 
Um, I don't know that you can play Nikhil Alexander-Walker less. He only played, I think, 16 minutes or 18 minutes against the Bulls on Tuesday. I think his minutes actually need to increase a little bit. Uh, and the Wolves need to consider, you know, depending on the matchup, does it make sense to to steal a few minutes here and there from McDaniels, steal a few minutes here and there from Ant? Like, uh, I think you just, and I get that in the playoffs, those minutes, you know, the, the rotation is going to tighten up a little bit. You're going to see only seven or eight guys playing and, and you're going to see some guys that barely play that are normally in the rotation. That's going to happen. But now at this point in the season, um, and, and I, I, again, I get that they're only five and five in their last 10. I get all that. Uh, but otherwise, how are you going to keep some of these guys fresh? And, you know, you trade for it. We talked about this a little bit on Minnesota basketball party on Wednesday. The wolves can make these trades and, or, or a trade or multiple trades or whatever, but you're not swinging a trade for anybody that's likely to be playing barring catastrophic, I shouldn't say catastrophic, barring injury um, at the end of a close game in in the playoffs or down the stretch in the regular season. So, you know, what's the overall impact, right? I think, again, it's more for, because, because by the way, like uh, just to, to, to like reiterate this, Monte Morris would not have been on the floor at the end of, the Bulls game on Tuesday, right? It's your starters anyway. Maybe he's, you know, he's on the floor when to stabilize things early in the fourth, and that helps because, you know, Kyle Anderson wasn't getting it done. Jaden McDaniels had a rough stretch. Conley was having a bad game. So, like, you could play around with that a little bit earlier in the game, but these late fourth quarter situations, you still got to figure it out with your starters, right? You know, almost certainly that's going to be your closing five. But all that to say, um, I think we see Kyle Anderson get a bit of a reduction in minutes. Again, I don't think he's traded Thursday. I think we see um, McLaughlin lose his rotation spot. And depending on matchups and depending on if Conley's playing, back-to-backs, et cetera, we'll see a bit more Monte Morris here in the coming weeks. So for me, the key takeaways from this move are shoring up the depth, getting another Conley-esque point guard. Because I, I do think that the skill set that Monte Morris has lies somewhere between McLaughlin and Conley, right? Like he's not quite as um, this version of Conley, I guess, I guess maybe their offensive skill sets are more similar. Um, But Monte Morris adds a little bit more than mid range possibility. He's nearly as good of a catch and shoot three point shooter as Conley. He's, you know, the assist numbers probably aren't going to be there to the level of, of Conley's. Um, but he's got a little bit more juice in terms of ability and willingness to score off the bench than, say, a McLaughlin. Gives you a little more size than a McLaughlin. Um, I don't think he's as good of a defender as either one of those guys, uh, but he's certainly going to give you more than you were getting from Shake Milton, right? Which was somebody who wasn't in the rotation. Um, so the trade makes a ton of sense to me. I know the Wolves, I didn't even really mention this. They added a 20, 30 second round pick as part of the deal. You know, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. He's a much better add than Bones Highland. I think he's a better fit than DeLon Wright. I think he's a better fit than Alec Burks. For all the reasons I said on Tuesday's show, I'm excited about this move. I think it makes a lot of sense. And we'll see if there's another move coming um, in terms of trades. There absolutely will be another move coming in terms of the roster over the next two weeks just based on the uh, the rule we talked about earlier in the show. All right, Wolves-Bucks on Thursday night, the first time we've seen Milwaukee this season. By the way, there's a report, I think it was John Hollinger that said, that Shake Milton, if he's bought out by Detroit, Milwaukee would be a place he could potentially go because he played so well under Doc Rivers in Philly. Uh, the Wolves also play the Bucks again here in a couple weeks on ESPN. So maybe we see uh, see a little bit of a, a Shake Milton reunion, if you will, here in a couple of weeks. The Bucks matchup for me, I actually don't mind the matchup for Minnesota. There's also the possibility. I mean, Dame Lillard didn't play on Tuesday. Um, it seemed like 
something minor that there's a possibility he does play Thursday night. Um, now, Chris Middleton rolled his ankle in that game on Tuesday. So I would say at sitting here right now, um, recording this late Wednesday, feels likely that Dame plays and unlikely that Middleton plays, but we'll see. Uh, Brooke Lopez didn't play on Tuesday uh, for personal reasons, so not sure on his status either. Either way, Giannis is obviously the headliner. The Wolves occasionally struggle to defend without falling, although overall this season they've done okay with that, at least in terms of opponent free throw rate. Um, Giannis gets the line 11 times a game. A game. The Wolves also love to complain to officials, and I feel like we're seeing you know, opponent free throw attempts go in the wrong direction, maybe in part because of that. Uh, like, you know, Everybody knows what Ant said in that after that OKC game a, a week and a half ago. So uh, we'll see. I worry about Giannis prayed to the free throw line. I um, I think the Wolves will try zone. I think they'll try Kyle Anderson to put some size on Giannis. Uh, they may try the Rudy thing, putting Rudy on Giannis and just seeing what happens. Um, I, I'm less a fan of that because uh, I think you open yourself up to Rudy getting into foul trouble more quickly, which could be an issue. So I think it's going to be more Kyle Anderson um, and and, uh, and maybe some zone mixed in. Now, Milwaukee's a good three-point shooting team. They're actually eighth in percentage, and they're sixth in three-point attempt rate. Uh, you don't want to let Malik Beasley shooting 45%, old friend Malik Beasley shooting 45% from three as a starter for them this year. Um, you know, if Chris Middleton plays, you know, they, they've got a bunch of guys that can knock down threes. I worry about that a little bit. Um, and also off of that, a lot of threes means a lot of long rebounds. The Wolves occasionally struggle to rebound defensively anyway. Milwaukee's not a good offensive rebounding team, but that's still another concern for me. So number one, obviously, is Giannis keeping him off the foul line as much as possible. How will the Wolves defend him? And then also related to that, if the Bucks are shooting threes and the Wolves try playing some zone, how are they going to rebound, keep Milwaukee off the offensive glass? Other than that, it's not a bad matchup for Minnesota for those reasons, right? Milwaukee does an offensive rebound great. Um, outside of... of uh, Oh, oh, the other thing is they don't turn, they don't force turnovers. Milwaukee's dead last. Their defense is enforcing opponent turnovers. We know that Minnesota is the league's worst when it comes to committing turnovers. And so, uh, you know, that's not a bad matchup either. Milwaukee also likes to play fast. The Wolves are more than happy to slow games down. So I actually don't mind the matchup. Uh, the one thing that does make me nervous is Milwaukee's one in four under Doc Rivers. They're returning home after the long road trip. Uh, at Stock Rivers, I believe it's his first home game coaching from Milwaukee. So there could be some other layers there, some additional um, passion, excitement, et cetera, from both the fan base, the players, and also Doc. Uh, we'll see what that looks like. A lot of it's going to hinge on Middleton's status, Dame's status, Brooke Lopez's status. Uh, I'm looking right now. There is a line. I was guessing, I guess, in the basketball party, Bucks by two or three. Currently, it's Bucks by one is the line for Thursday night's game in Milwaukee. Uh, it seems a little low to me, but it's probably due to the status of all those players I just listed. So we will see. We'll, of course, have the live postcast here on Lockdown Wolves at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Jack Borman with Luke Inman. So go check that out after the game. I'll have the postgame pod on Friday. Um, and also, I'm working on scheduling a... Uh, I'm going to have Lockdown Wizards host on. Uh, not sure which one of those guys will be on the show, but one of them will be on the show uh, probably Monday's show to talk about Monte Morris and what he did in Washington last year. Um, so to get a bit of a different perspective. So make sure to tune into that. Uh, but of course, Friday show, I will have the post game pod from Wolves Bucks on Thursday night. All right. That's all we have for you today here on the show. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. 
And you can follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.